Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan, and I will be your host. Today, we're back with Manuel Grinacher for the second episode with him. We talk about growth and scale, something that I feel still a lot of Swiss companies, especially startups, don't get quite right. We'll talk about how you can actually successfully execute the growth and scale of your company and when it's actually the right timing to do so. We'll talk about KPIs that you should focus on in terms of growth and also about the drawbacks on a personal and company level that come with growth and the additional challenges that you face when you actually grow a company to a bigger level. Manuel has done that himself successfully because Core Systems was operating on a very international level. And he will talk about many of his personal experiences and stories. And I think that will make the whole thing not only very interactive, but also very memorable. And you will get the key insights that you're looking for. Before we get started with the episode, I would like to introduce you to SBB Startup. If you think that your company is a good fit for the Swiss Railways, get in touch with them or learn more about their startup programs at sbbstartup.com. Manuel, welcome back to Swisspreneur. It's great to have you here for the second episode. Thank Today, you. we're going to talk about growth and scale. And I would like to start with the first question right away. What mistakes do you see Swiss startups making repeatedly when it comes to growth and scale? Yes, yeah, so very good question. I'm sure I had um, also my own challenges around that. But what I definitely see or what was my personal learning about uh, scaling an enterprise or a company is mostly you focus too much on the product and think about how you get it to market, right? I mean... Uh, this is definitely something I recommend to parallel invest also into uh, a right sales channel, right? And I mean, I, I grew up in an enterprise software environment. I, I cannot speak about the B2C business, right? More in the B2B business. But for us, it was crucial to work with partners and to build partners. That is a big effort. And I see at least with the startups, I know that they don't not spend enough time in parallel when they build the software to also build a partner or a channel. Doesn't matter how, it can be through partner or resellers or uh, kind of um, uh, referral programs, but th to build them up, that takes years because also these partners need to build trust to you and so on and so on. And mainly they are too late. And then you have a great product, but you have nobody that sell it. And then you fail in a way that you not make enough revenue or you not make it over the border, right? That is one thing I see. The second thing I see is, I don't know if we are sometime too, have it too nice here in Switzerland, but you know, I believe you can only become successful. And again, I speak about software business here. In, the, in a way you go very early outside of Switzerland. I mean, with early, early, I mean, in the first year, you need to have your first deals outside of Switzerland. I mean, in, in, in countries, maybe not think about Germany because they all speak German. Think about UK, maybe not now, but 
Netherlands, we had a success in Netherlands. Our first success was the Benelux countries because they also had a little bit these uh, same challenges like we, they have different language to manage and so on. Um, so we had a very strong focus on, on the Benelux countries first. And we were very early also in Asia and USA. And again, when you combine this with partners and go into these countries, and again, what I mean with going to these countries, as a founder or CEO, you have to go in these countries. You have to live there for a while, maybe don't need to be years, but maybe a few months, six months, 12 months, maybe with your family and really build the business there, right? Be present because otherwise, as a founder, if you not just fly in and out for a few business meetings, I don't believe that you build the trust to those partners. They want to see you more and they want to see you in the events. They want to see you present. And I remember very well, uh, my journey was, I mean, Europe, you were able to fly in and out from Switzerland, but I lived in uh, Shanghai a while, then USA a while, um, a year maybe. But that helped to be present and build this first trust end. My learning was it take you a, at least a year that you make the first real deals in these countries then. Okay. And I think all that usually people underestimate and focus on building a great software, a great tool, but nobody knows about it or nobody is interested in the end or nobody is maybe wrong, but not enough people that you have uh, a scale that in that investors will give you the money for the next rounds, mm -hmm. right? So you get very quickly money for an idea. You get your first five, 10 millions, right? Uh, sorry, this is maybe audio. You get your first one, five million. But then the next 10 million rounds, 20, 50 million rounds, it's all about scale, right? It's not about the product anymore, it's about scale. And, and that time frame is hard if you, and again, this was also my learning, if you're not fast and in scaling and you are in, in, in between a 10 million round and a another 20 million tranche round or so and you take and it takes you a, a year more you get out of money and then investors will downrate the valuation and then you can if they downrate the valuation then you not, you not, you not can onboard more money and then it's getting very critical mm -hmm. So that's why very early try to build um, a scalable ecosystem, I would say. And I highly recommend, especially out of Switzerland, not try to go direct in the first way. Go through partners. Direct sales, tough. I would not recommend. Can you walk us through a bit? Because I think this is also a very American approach that a lot of American startups you know, go for this partnership approach and team up with, with big companies. How did you find the right partners? What makes the right partner? And then how do you actually also collaborate with them except for being and living in the same country for about one year? Um, so important to win partners is that you build them in in your vision. Okay, so you partners are usually... So I need to difference between customers, can also act as a partner, and reseller or added value reseller, what, what we used for implementation of our software and resale of our software. And the um, important thing on, on these resale partners that scale your, your business, they are mainly small. They are not big companies. They are maybe in the same size than you are. So you speak with the CEO directly. And 
Um, our partners, we had smaller partners. We not deal today. We deal with uh, Accenture and these kind of partners. But back back then, we had partners that were much smaller. Mm-hmm. So like hundred people companies or so. And so you talk directly to the leadership, to the management of these partners. And there is important that you as a founder or co-founder, that you buy them in into your vision. Because for them it's important that they can scale with you, right? Mm-hmm. This is the important thing. So you need to spend a lot of time that they see in you something that makes sense for them to invest. Because a partner need to invest, you need to build a sales team, you need to build a pre-sales team, maybe educate consultants. And they need to do it upfront because they also make money later on. You know, they need to win the first project with you and so on. So that means they do an investment. So they act like small investors. That's why you need to tell them a clear vision, how you want to be successful in this country, why your software will give them a lot of cash, right? And, and then they start to invest. But the cool thing is when you make that through partners, you have all these small partners, they're investing for you in the end. Of course, you give them nice margin to get the money back, but that scales, right? And you don't have to do the investment yourself. No, then you will invest into partner managers and sellers that help those partners to scale, right? And then back then we had about, you know, we had about, I would say, 20 partners mm-hmm. to, to were able to get to our first 10 million revenue. And more than 50% was through partners. And again, our margin was, was high. So for, let's say then at least the double amount they had for, for, for them, right? So, and then it scales. And that's why start very early with such a model that, that scales up. And again, this is now the example for B2B enterprise, right? And, and anyway, this is my other learning is when I look around, um, where we are in Switzerland, I highly recommend to start a B2B business because a B2C business is maybe even more tough um, in Switzerland, Switzerland, yeah, because uh, the Swiss market is just too tiny for a B2C business. And um, if if the case, then I also here I would recommend to very early partner again with, with a big brand like a Swisscom or doesn't matter, like a large brand that already has millions of Swiss people in their customer base and go through that. But direct, I think it's very hard to get a payback of the investment you have to do to tell everyone, this is my product, right? I would like to go back to the vision that you mentioned with the partners, the distribution partners that you set up. Once they buy in on, on your vision, what happens then? How do you really make sure that they sell the right product at the right price and it actually also works? Because I, I can imagine that needs a lot of attention and management from your team as well to sort of transfer the know-how to them. Right, um, absolutely. You do a lot joint deal in the beginning, right? So you help them make the first deal and enable enablement is key, right? So training and so on. We, we, we started very early with uh, our core systems uh, training uh, and certification. So we certified consultants to work with our product. And only when they had the certification, they got margin. If they not had the certification, uh, they not got commission. That's so simple. So that that is how we managed. That's that. also very smart because that's something that you control, right? Right. The certification. Exactly. So there was a real online training also. If you needed to 45 minutes, you needed nice. to... Uh, 
answer questions around our software. So it was like a standardized program, three-day workshop, and then you had this education, and then you go through the test, and then when you fulfilled the test, and by the way, I there was also one crazy moment in my life. I needed to do the test once too, right? And uh, everyone was watching, and I, I made it. But it was very tough, I must say. I mean, the question, even I as a founder, not sometimes I say, wow, I also need to think now, what, what is the answer? But I was also like very, very... But I needed to do because otherwise the employee would not believe me that I know my product. Anyway, um, the test is strong, but then you can redo it. But with that, we managed it in a way that, and by the way, the partner also paid for this workshop, right? So they, okay. they took it serious because otherwise they don't take it serious. They need not a lot, but you need to charge a little bit for the workshop and for the certification. And What's you need a good to, amount there to ask for? I would say per per. Uh, attended maybe 500 euro or so okay. you know not, but if they bring five it's an amount right sure. and i don't know exactly honestly I, I, but it's not in the x thousands so and then when you have the certification you also need to do recertifications very it is very standardized in our industry but that keeps you make sure that the partners are educated enough to make a good project and um Today, I don't know, we have, I would say, close to a few, I mean, 500 or more such consultants running around globally doing our software implementations. And this will ramp up now, of course, with SAP's collaboration into thousands. I already, we just certified more than 400 consultants over the last, last month. Yeah. So then you get this fast scaling, right? And um, One billion is in sight. Still very on our, our target of my on the mirror in the morning, I see it, you know, the one billion revenue <laughs> signs. So this keeps me, keeps me motivated. No, I mean, again, uh, with that, you can control it, you can manage it. And, um, and then you need to invest in these trainings and uh, kind of uh, do also advertisement on that. And then the bigger challenge is, of course, if the partners not make projects, they not make money and then they, you lose them. So three, you need to be engaged with them and bring them business. Um, back then, we the we had a model that the partner did the sell also, mm -hmm. the full sell process, sales process. Today I would change it a little bit. Uh, we had no control about the sell process, um, the sales uh, itself, and that was a little bit tough because uh, discounting and so that was all out, out of our control and um, and then in the end you also needed to give more revenue share from our side so if I could restart I would try that the sales process is in the our hand complete mm -hmm. but you engage the partner and the partner is doing more the delivery of the project and based on the delivery you you make the margin Right, so keep them very engaged to the projects, right? So, so this is what I would incentives. this I would change yes. today when I can restart again because otherwise the partner makes the sell and when he is in trouble they point only to you. You need to fix it, mm -hmm. and when you have then lo a lost lost a lot on revenue share, then it's hard to to uh, right. But if he need to wait for the margin and the margin is kind of paid on milestones, then you are sure that the partner gives everything to make the customer happy, right? So this is the only change I would do when I can restart again.
meaning you control the sales process, does that also mean that they should be logging everything in your sales CRM system, for example? Exactly, exactly. And you know the milestones, you know the satisfaction of the customer, you know the adaption rate of the customers. Because usually our learning was, and we had, you know, in the first project, in the first 10, 20 projects, you knew it, but we had close to at least 500 customers um, and hundreds of customers, let's say. And and then you don't know the status of all the different implementations. Right. And usually when they pop up on your site, it's too late, right? And either the customer is very unsatisfied, the partner is already lost, and then you need to fix it. You need to renovate it. And renovation is very expensive. So if you would track it more on the go, then you can act earlier or you can do some stuff much earlier, right? This is a learning I, I definitely would do different. Mm -hmm. Sales and also the implementation are very location-based right. services. How do you deal with not location-based services like marketing or also customer service, for example? Is that something that you still took care of or is that also something that you did together with your partners in, in the areas that you work with? So we focused on marketing, mainly on the, the story, on the branding, in a way that we tell the story. Um, and we, uh, we, we also wanted to be very, you know, even we have a very niche, we had a very niche product. Field service management is not something that you, you, you dream every day from, right? But we want, what we really did is try to make a story very persona driven. Because in our in our software, in sorry, in our customer side, you have different personas. You know, you, of course, you have the technician that you first think in field service management is the technician in the field, but you also have the coordinators, the dispatchers, you have the managers, you have the CEO, and we 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 started to build the different stories for these different personas with one underlying message. With this, we make these core moments happen and to deliver through a perfect. Uh, sort of perfect service moments, but then persona driven. So for a CEO, it was more important the vision, how he can, through our help, scale revenue, right? Mm -hmm. And the dispatcher maybe for him is important that he has an overview of what is happening in the field. And for a technician, it's much important that he has a happy life, a happy day, that he is informed, that he knows what is going on on the daily level, right? And that was our uh, job to find out. By the way, we did this also with partners together, with Gartner as an example. We had a great market. We have a great marketing team, and then make that available for our partners that they can. Depends with, with who they discuss. Like with a CEO, they can use that material. Mm -hmm. So we spend a lot there, also with videos and so on and so on. So we did more the material for our partners, right? right. And then the other thing we did is working with analysts like partners they're still very strong in our brand in our market that usually customer go to this analyst and say okay which vendor we should go we have a field service management problem with which vendor and then they give you a list like go to sap core systems da, 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 right make sure we needed to make sure that we are on this list that we are recommended by these analysts yes. and uh, because that was another recommendation these gartner quadrants reports as an example they are still very valid and then Usually through this channel, people landed on our website and then we needed to make sure that we were able to recognize the lead very quickly and hand that through a partner to make a deal out of it. So this was what we did on the marketing side. So it was more like 
you know, funneling the leads, informing the leads in the right with the right in the right personas, and then bring it very fast to a partner to make a deal out of it. That was our job. And that again also strengthens the partner relationship, I can imagine. Exactly. And then make sure that the partner sends a good sales guy out there mm -hmm. uh, to close the deal. Yeah. I mean, this is B2B sales in a way, right? What KPIs did you focus on when you were actually growing the company? Like, I can imagine revenue is a very Sure, revenue <laughs> and, and, and costs, uh, the standard P&L view. But what was important for us um, is we, we call it ACV, annual, annualized recurring revenue. Okay, so that means how much is coming in recurring. Because if you not make, and then what is the churn rate against that? So that is all about. So how can you ramp the annual recurring revenue, what is coming in, not automatically, but based on the service, mm -hmm. and that you keep the churn rate um, very low. Because otherwise you kill the business, right? You, if your churn rate is over 10%, then you, you not make it. And uh, so keep that uh, the yearly churn, you know, less than 10 and, and, and then make sure you grow at least 30% year over year and then you have a good model, right? Absolutely. And again, I know that, um, f I'm honest, we, we had already challenged to keep this KPIs I just mentioned now. And I know in US companies make uh, even a 50% growth and plus. Uh, we know that. I mean, this is crazy, but out of Europe, I think have a 30% year over year growth with a less than 10% churn are good KPIs to go. Absolutely. Uh, all, all above is great, but um, I mean, with poor recurring revenue, then I guess um, I guess you, you can really build an ent a cool enterprise. Business. I would also like to talk about the challenges when growing and scaling a company. Mm -hmm. With fast growth, you usually also increase your overhead expenses. And at a certain point, you were at this stage where you didn't know how to pay the salaries the next week, basically. Yes. Yeah. How did you solve this big and also very dangerous situation for the company? I guess the biggest problem of a CEO or founder is this exactly you, men you mentioned it before you have the responsi responsibility to to grow right month to month but that keeps you very busy as an entrepreneur and you are also in critical deals involved and you need you know from meeting to meeting and so on and on the other side again I would say this is a that is a hundred percent job another hundred percent job is get the next funding round done. And badly in, in Switzerland, we, or at least I not found funds, you know, you can make a long term and then just bring 10 millions and 10 millions and 10 millions from round to round. Usually you need to bring this money together through different people or different smaller funds. And again, the first one, two million is easy, but if it becomes a 10 million round, you speak in one million or two million tickets. That is not easy anymore because if you need 10 of them, it's massive. And um, if you're a little bit slow in sales, what can happen will happen anyway. Your business plan is usually not the reality. Then these time frames getting much shorter. You know, maybe you think like, wow, in six months, I need another 10 million. But then you realize I need it already in three months. And then maybe the day is coming, you even realize because a and that was the scenario in our case, I can also disclose that a large company is not paying or is not ordering on time because of some product issue you also know you cannot fix in 
two days, and then you miss a million or two millions, and you not can pay your people, and you are the only, more or less the only person that know it. Because if the people would know it, then you would have even maybe more worse uh, scenarios. And um, I mean, that was, I guess, in my opinion, the most tough days. And I had this at least two or three times, and uh, that my C my CFO myself were were together in somewhere in midnight and say, hey, shh, what would what we do? I need cash. I need a million or two. And I have two or three days. And what should we do? Otherwise, we need to fire 50% of the people or whatever. I mean, this is now... I don't hope that the people hear that now but, uh, and, and then think that we not, you know, manage the company wrong, but that was the reality. And so you knew you needed to... And by the way, 15 years we built two companies. We Every month we paid the salary on time. I think every this is month. a very important thing. Yes. Every month. Um, because that, in my opinion, as an entrepreneur, is the most important deal you do with employees. Because they count on you that you pay the salary at the base salary. Well, variable salary is something different. That's so important because they has also their commitments, rents and so on, right? I would say you immediately lose employees when you not hold this commitment. So that was my toughest deal, I would say, in my life, right? With the employees to pay the salary on time. Because I know when this is broken, you lose their trust to also give more. And um, so I, I had so much pressure to manage to get this funding sometime down. And I had some moments where I needed to go to investors you knew that you're not, um, you need to bring now a story that they believe you're rocket growing and you need the cash immediately because other investors would take the ticket. And you know in that moment, you have only this investor. If he say no, you're fucked. <laughs> of course, you bring a story that others are interested. If you're not signed now, then others will invest. But you know, in the end, that is the only, the only chance. Otherwise, you go back to your team and you would say, sorry, I failed. I need to, I cannot pay, I don't know, 20 people here or 50 people, right? What makes an investor say yes in that moment? I don't know. I cannot say that. I would say he trusts you that you make this business, right? And it's all about trust. It's all about feelings. I mean, numbers, I mean, all in, I know it also. I mean, you show a business plan, but as an investor, you know, I mean, come on. In a startup, these business plans are nice that when it's not that, goes in this direction you can go it's all about trust that you as an entrepreneur um, you manage it you will find ways to manage this business plan and even you are behind you will manage it somehow you will build a network to manage it and if it takes longer it takes longer but don't fail right and this trust you need to give investors and then they give they give you the paycheck and that moment i remember where i needed that cash by the way there was a big bank back then I mean, I was like, I remember uh, I was in the train driving there. I was like the whole way on the train was on the toilet because I was so ill because the pressure was so high. Mm -hmm. And then you go into this meeting, you feel like so sick, I, in, in, really from the pressure. And you know, you need to call power now for two hours through this meeting and then it goes through, right? And, uh, and then that magical, mo that was one core moment for me. I had the pitch there, the pitch went well, the, 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 the mood was really cool in the room, very passionate, and, uh, and then they agreed to pay two million back then. Uh, and I called my CFO and say, hey, I don't know, I go home, sleep now, but tomorrow make these make this, uh, term sheets and so on, da, da, da. And then on Monday we paid the salary, right? These kind of scenarios. 
uh, we, we went through. Not, not, not every month, eh? don't get me wrong. In of 15 course. years, that was maybe once. We had also other scenarios where we realized that we, we are on the wrong track and I needed to um, let people go, right? And I had this uh, once, and this is also where we needed to at least 20 or 20, yeah, close to 20, I don't remember exactly, but I needed uh, to let, let employees go on Friday. I realized together with the board, it doesn't work out. This was not cash, but we just realized that we would lose everything when we not act now. And then, uh, you know, on Friday, you sit in this meeting, you look to the numbers, you don't want to see it, but you see it. And, you know, on main Monday morning, you go there and you, you have to look to the eyes of the people worked very hard with you. And this is also something what I do then personally. And, and you bring them into a room and everyone knows what is going on, right? But you need to say it. And that, that are these moments, of course, as an entrepreneur, you also need to go through. But then everyone around you may, more, that help you to make that, uh, you know, this kind of uh, preparation, the, like the, the letters, they, they, fall, they fall down, right? And you need to also to keep them, hey, come on, we, we make it, we make it. And um, I all the time try to sell this uh, also when I, of course, it's terrible to do, but all the time I tried to, all the time, that time, only one time, I tried to tell a, an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity for the company to, to restart. It's an opportunity for these people because they learned how, how, how it is. And what is also cool to see now, also people back then that were uh, affected, that they come back now. And so we still had a very good, I would say, very good uh, relationship to these people, right? Because they knew we tried everything together and it just simply not worked out. Sure. And I think that's why back to what I mentioned before, make sure you keep the promise to the employees and pay the salary uh, or whatever you agreed in a, on, on where they need to trust you. And if you're not achieve, better you be honest and let them go then make this kind of limbo phase where, where you are not honest to the people. Then they're gonna they, and say promise like yeah, but next month you get your salary and then you not get and so because then it's broken. Yeah. That the enterprise will die because you lose as a founder or entrepreneur. I guess you lose your face. We had we had uh, also scenarios where we were not able to pay the bonus, mm -hmm. right? And once I also needed to ask the people to uh, to give me more time to pay the bonus, right? But also then I had a very great hormone. One of my employees, um, he, he had an idea to keep this kind of as a loan. He said, look, I don't need it now. I don't need it in the next six months. As long as you work hard and you pay some time, I'm happy. And then we had, um, I got a mass mail, I would say more than 50% of my employee over that weekend, send me an email. Hey, by the way, for me too, I don't need the money the next three months or six months. As long as I get it, I see it like a loan. It's okay. You know, this is then cool when the employees, because they're not counted uh, on that. I mean, a few maybe, but a few not. And this is very cool. And I guess this you build if you keep the promise to the employees. I think this is also a very culture-based thing. It is, yes. So what role does culture play when growing and scaling company right. from your experience? And back to your original question, scale has a lot to do with employees, has a lot to do with, you know, it's not magic that it works from, from just a few math. Right. 
it's all about the people, right? And that's why keep keep um, people very engaged, culture and trust, uh, integrity, this kind of stuff is also part of scale, right? In, in our business, I mean, we are not have a website like a commerce store. Um, in our business, trust is key. And I think that starts with the relationship to the employees. And has this changed in, in, in any way since you started out with your first vision where you hired the first employees to when you actually started to scale the company? Was there any difference or was it sort of the same focus that you paid on the, on the culture, but just at, you know, with more employees, basically? I mean, the culture, what changed on the culture side is you need to learn to use tools to keep the culture. Okay. Because when you start... If you're 10 employees, you can sit together in a, in a drink a beer on Friday evening and you build a culture by that. But as soon you grow international, you don't see the people, even you don't know the people, mm -hmm. you need to learn to build a culture through tools. What I mentioned in the last episode, with, uh, in the last session, uh, with uh, why, what I used uh, Slack as an example, to be very close to the people. We build these kind of core values where the people really understand understood the motto core moments and everything around i call that tools that the people are building the culture together in with guidelines because you have no chance anymore to sit together with everyone and have party everywhere and drink drink beer and eat pizzas you know it's not possible so we need to do it through tools and this is very critical this is very important but this is the change we, in the start we did it more on a verbal uh, sit together, but if you grow and get international, you cannot fly in all the people. Right. So you you need to do it um, through tools. Of course, we did one. I would say every two three years we did also great events, and and the people that know I like to make great parties. Also, when we had uh, our um, exit, I promised to make a, a fantastic party and. I invited even everyone that worked in the company also before. Mm -hmm. So it was all get together and people worked because when everyone helped to build that company, right? So the for me, it was all the time a big family of people, right? And um, I think this culture you can, you can, uh, you can build. And I have a clear view. I believe a business is managed by the culture and not by the leadership. Or in other words, uh, leadership is culture. So if you're not able to build a culture that drives your business, you cannot hire managers to drive your business. That don't work. I mean, look to all large companies. Managers are coming and after a few years they're leaving, but the culture lives the entire life of a company. And I think that that cu culture building stuff is, is, is key. And that's your job as a founder and CEO, right? It's a job of everyone in the company, but every culture is different. So I guess what the founder makes is the ground platform of the, of the culture because you not should change with a culture of founder, right? But um, important is for everyone in the company to develop on that and you know, and not ignore to developing a culture, right? And it's not easy sometimes. Yeah, I can imagine. In a video interview, you also mentioned that an entrepreneur needs to be able to sleep fast. Uh, for you, that was back then, I don't know if that's still the case today, four hours right. a night. Right, yeah, it's maybe a little bit more now okay. because of the kids, but uh, they interrupt me in the night sometime. And 
if you sleep four hours, it's enough. But if you get awake in four hours, sleep in the period of these four hours, yeah. you are dead. Yes. I t this is my learning now. <laughs> Since we have my daughter keeps me sometime wake me exactly in this uh, yeah. in this phase, and then I, I'm I'm killed. But if if I can sleep for and this is what I say with learning means. I think as an entrepreneur, this is my view. I I I, I mean maybe not fix fits to the new work life balance what everyone tells you, but. I believe as an entrepreneur, you have to work twice more than others because you need this time to be ahead, right? I mean, working hard and working a lot gives you at least a chance to be ahead of others. Otherwise, you only count on luck. And um, work hard is still one, one way to be successful. And this is the... You pay for it, of course. You pay maybe with your health and with your family and with other. Uh, but it is, I'm, I'm strongly a believer on that. And so I worked, I don't know, 90, 100 hours on seven days, uh, full steam. And that's why, you, yes, I needed to learn to sleep fast. That you are ready in four hours for your next uh, show or gig, right? And this is something you practice. Right. Uh, I mean, with that, it means practice. It sounds crazy, but you need to be able to go to bed with all your head of problems and switch it off. Mm -hmm. Right. With kind of with, your, with the same brain. Right. And it's not easy. You, I, and I needed that was my biggest trouble. I and someone helped me, by the way, with that, with, with a practice like not I would say is not a meditation. What's meditation in English? Meditation. meditation sorry. But just to keep your focus away and fall in sleep very fast. Because otherwise you have a night that on the next day you feel like, wow, I'm, I'm dead. And then you, I don't know, but then this is also danger that you, I don't know what you take then, right? To keep, awa keep awake. But I think falling asleep fast, sleep four or five hours through, then you feel energized. And you need to practice that. It's my view, honestly. I think this is also a cool takeaway because the, the bigger your company gets, probably also the bigger the problems that you have to face get. So you need to also find some hacks how to deal with you that. You need to find hacks to switch up your brain when you go when you come home, right? And because I, I had this before. That's why I say it off publicly. In the beginning, I didn't manage that. And through nights of nights, I was awake. Mm -hmm. And that kills you. I mean, some time is over. And then you, you are fuzzy and you not can manage it. You cannot decide and, right. and you get crazy, right? And, uh, and then I started to practice how I sleep. And I think this, uh, honestly, sleep is the best drug you can have, Absolutely. right? And uh, it, four hours is enough. And if the, the quality is right. If the quality is right, yeah. Or, or you can also make a 15-minute nap uh, during the day. This is also fine. I mean, by, not work with me, but some, so I know some people do that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's also enough or in the airplane, you know, like uh, this kind of stuff. But be careful that that um, that um, yeah, that you not go in the wrong direction. Yeah. And with kids, it's getting a bit more tough, honestly, <laughs> because you cannot say to them, look now, four hours or five hours. I, would, I don't want to hear you. It's getting harder. I must agree. I mean, I think it's feel it now uh, already that um, this practice is getting harder not to sleep. To get to sleep, but to <laughs> to wake up uh, with the same energy than uh, maybe with uh, 25, of course. Sure.
But work hard. Absolutely. I mean, work hard means really work, I don't know, sometimes 80 hours. I should not make an ad for that, but it, you get more done. You simply get more done, especially in the beginning, right? But don't ask your people to do that. Huh? So that is clear. But you as an entrepreneur um, or maybe the top leadership uh, I, I still I strongly believe that this is partially one of the biggest success driver and luck. You need luck, of course. Sure. But uh, if you not work hard, your chance is smaller. But you know, there, there's the saying: the more often you try, the luckier you get. So you could also right. rephrase that a bit: the more you work, the the more chances you get. Exactly, probably. you get more chances. And again, you need to pay for that. If you're um, free lifetime if you are you know like to go home early because you want to go to fitness or to bike or whatever there's also something value right i don't want to say if you want to do that don't give this up but then i believe maybe you're not the type that build an enterprise company you know what i mean then maybe better you say i make a, a nice small company and you don't want more from you right um and this is also success Sure. Right. You have to de- define what success means in right, your own terms. But I still run all the time behind this one billion story, right? And then you are pumped about that. And maybe I never achieve, but yeah, I go in this direction. Absolutely. And this ca- keeps me powered. I think this is also a very good point to, to sort of conclude the episode. Is there anything that you would like to add regarding growth and scale? I think I, I spoke a lot. <laughs> And um, in the end, everyone, every entrepreneur or startup founder need to find their own way. Again, as I mentioned, don't also don't try to copy something, right? Trust yourself, trust your team and empower your team that, that they make decisions. And again, you need luck. Uh, that's clear. Not everything works perfect. But I think try to build a lot around Trust the people, trust yourself, and not copy something one-to-one, right? Maybe learn and uh, implement it, but I think then you make it. And otherwise, you maybe, as, as, as we discussed in the first episode, maybe then try it again or you're not an entrepreneur. It's also not bad, right? Sure. At least you try it. Absolutely. That's all. No, thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have you here on the show. And thank you so much for your great insights and stories that you shared with us today. Thank you that you do that. It's very important, I guess, for our ecosystem. And um, yeah, I loved you to do it. And hopefully see you or some that listening soon somewhere in Switzerland. Thank Thank you you so much, man. All the best. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation with Manuel. And if you did, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Next week, we will be back with a new Q&A session where we will answer your questions. So make sure that you become a member of Swisspreneur to hand in your questions and we will get them answered by our experts out of our network. We hope to see you again next week for an interactive Q&A session where we get the hands-on knowledge and tips that you might be looking for.